Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Ribbon. This podcast is brought to you by Pete's Car Smart Kia. These guys are not here just to sell you a car, but they believe in building relationships with their customers and the community. Visit their website at petescarsmartkia.com and be sure to follow them on their social media platforms as well. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Hey Ryan, how are you today? Pam, I am doing well. And yourself? I'm good. You know, I'm really excited about today's episode. Um, It's going to cover a lot of things that maybe we've already covered in somewhat of a way. We've talked about grief. We've talked about art as therapy um, and also reaching out, finding your community. Yes. So what kind, I've got to ask you, so when you go on vacation, what Mm -hmm. kind of tourist are you? Uh, I am a chill tourist. I I would prefer to just be lazy. <laughs> I'm, I agree. I, I mean, like- it's okay. It's okay to be, you know, sightseer kind of thing, but uh, a whole vacation of sightseeing, I- I'm going to struggle a little bit. <laughs> going to take the pictures? A few, a few. You? Uh, probably. I want those memories, but, you know, I kind of disconnect. I like to disconnect and um, be present in the moment. That's right. Yeah. You know, people are probably going, what does that have to do with today's episode? <laughs> Why are they talking about vacations and tourism? Yeah. Well, um, well, they're, they're about to find out, aren't they? They are. I'm excited. So yes. why don't you introduce them to our guests? Yes. We're super excited. And it's, it's interesting, Pam, I mentioned to you earlier that, um, before we scheduled and, and decided to go, uh, with this episode, I actually follow this person on Instagram and didn't even know it. So um, this is really cool. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of neat. I'll sound, I'll sound like a fanboy here, but uh, we're super excited to have Chelsea Gomez. Uh, she is a 31 year old artist and two time cancer survivor of Hodgkin's lymphoma. She's the owner of the cancer awareness brand. Now, Pam, this is where I follow her. She's the owner of the cancer awareness brand. Oh, you're so tough, which sells humorous, non-traditional cancer products on Etsy. She has also developed an online community on Instagram, duh, which aims to change the way society views cancer patients, especially young adult cancer patients. She lives in Florida with her husband, Michael, and her daughter, Luna. Chelsea, thank you for joining us. How are you? Hey, y'all. I'm good. I wanted you to ask me what type of tourist I was. (laughs) I must say, I used to be the one taking all the pictures. And now I'm the lazy one. <laughs> yes. See, and that's okay, right? Yeah, I think it's better to live in the moment, honestly. Yes, I would, I would totally agree. That's the only way to do it is living in the moment. And uh, so, Chelsea, let's talk real quick and let's let's start back at the beginning and tell us your story, if you don't mind. Sure, it's a long one, but I'll try to make it short. Sure. <laughs> um In 2018, I got diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. I was a typical like working person in her 20s. I was working a lot. I was working probably like 70 hours a week at that time, um, trying to like move my way up the corporate ladder and told myself I didn't really have time to be sick on a normal basis. (laughs) Um, I found a lump on the side of my neck and after taking a lot of antibiotics and being told it was just a cold, I ended up being pushed to the ER by my mom. <laughs> you know how moms are. Moms know um, best. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up, you know, getting just a basic chest x-ray, 
because they said we're gonna do that but we're probably just gonna send you home and I was like sounds good I got stuff to do (laughs) well they came back in the room and they said that I had masses all over my chest and I went from zero to 60 I ended up getting a biopsy I got admitted and about a week later I found out it was Hodgkin's lymphoma Um, I was 28 then I did about seven or eight months of chemo because I kept getting really low blood count so it was always delayed uh, ended up getting a final scan, which showed some activity still, but the oncologist I had at the time told me he thought it was just from chemo. So I used to be a type of person who wanted to pretend like I never had cancer. <laughs> so literally six weeks post chemo, I went back to work and I tried to pretend like I never had cancer. Um, well, cancer had other plans for me because literally on the same exact day I got diagnosed in 2018, I got re-diagnosed in 2019. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, you said the exact mm-hmm. day? The exact same cursed day, October 12th of both years. Oh, my. So, yeah, it sucks because my daughter's birthday is on the 31st of October. So, you know, all of these birthdays have been clouded by that. Um, but long story short, I went on to have a stem cell transplant on April Fool's Day of 2020 in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, it was very interesting, to say the least. But two years later, I'm still in remission. So I'm very grateful that it worked for me. I know it not, doesn't always work for everyone, but I'm here. <laughs> That's so awesome. Um, so you were 28. I'm guessing you had uh, lots of friends maybe at that time. Yeah, I would say yes. I would say yes. But, you know, a lot of the friends that I had, I guess we'll get into it, um, were my friends, but maybe aren't now. So we can <laughs> about that now you know a little bit more but yeah I had a lot of like people around me because at my job I was well liked I was a supervisor and so and I was a younger one that was there so I think I was probably more fun one (laughs) yeah so let's let's talk about that um you know this we're we're gonna we're gonna jump in and, and and really talk with our our guests you guys that are listening and we're going to talk about, and you know, we, sometimes we talk about labels and we, we say labels are labels, uh, whatever a label means, you know, sometimes someone says, oh, I don't feel like a survivor. Well, even though you are, it's okay. It's just a label. However, in this case, let's talk about this label that is kind of a, an interesting phenomenon, if you will, of grief tourism and grief tourists. Yeah, so... I'll just tell you kind of how I came to know what it was, and I didn't have a name for it for a long time. So when I was diagnosed, I had a couple very close friends that were there for me, and then I had a best friend that I pretty much talked to every single day at work. As you know, like when you work with people every day, they become very close to you. So I remember um, this particular person never spoke to me again after I came out with the fact that I had cancer. (laughs) It really shocked me. I didn't know why or what I did or anything. I didn't know, but I would see them watching my stories on Instagram because you know you can see who looks at them. So I found it odd that this person was being essentially a tourist (laughs) to my grief, but they were also being silent towards me as a person. Um, It happens in many other ways too. It's not just that way, but when I got further into the community, um, when I relapsed and I started posting my art, I finally found a term for it and it's grief tourists. And so 
like I said, it comes in many different forms. It also comes in the form of the person who is really involved with what, you know, a random person, maybe you knew this girl from high school and she shows up in your direct messages and starts wanting to know all about your cancer and, you know, says that she's so supportive and she's there for you during the time that you have cancer. But as soon as you're better, she drops you and goes away because some people unfortunately gravitate to bad situations in order to make themselves either feel better about their own life or to feel like they're a part of something, which is very interesting, but it does happen every day. To me, it's a sticky situation. You want to be, I mean, like I'm sure your friend at work maybe didn't know how to cope with your diagnosis and how to be a friend during that diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And I hear that quite often when I talk about the subject, because as you can probably imagine, there's people who are outside of the cancer community who kind of feel like that same way, like, well, you know, I do want to help you, but I don't know what to say. And, and what I say to those people is, it's really very simple. You just need to say something. <laughs> I mean, don't be silent. And also, just be like how you were before I had cancer. You know, I'm still your friend. I'm the same friend. I'm just a friend that has cancer. And a lot of us are looking for that. We're just looking to be treated the way that we were treated the day before I told you I had cancer. Right. You know, Pam, this brings up and maybe some of our listeners that have listened to uh, our podcast for a while uh, kind of makes me think back to when we talked to Kiara Riga and talk about laughter in the face of cancer and finding humor yeah. and you know, that some of her friends couldn't handle the dark humor and some of her friends couldn't understand why she would say or feel or, or act a certain way. Um, and, and really, and truly, I feel that way sometimes too. I, I don't know because I can't relate, you know? And, and I think um, it's interesting to say, as you were talking about, um, how many times someone has said, let me know if you need anything. And then you never hear from them. And it's almost like there's these little subtle touches like, oh, I want you to know I'm here and I'm following you and I'm following your progress and maybe I'm reading your caring bridge and I heard this and hope you're okay. Good luck on this. And then you never hear from them. And Pam, you know, you and I discussed and talked, it's, it's almost more so um, the, a big difference would be those that are doers and follow throughers, um, if that's even a word, follow throughers. But they they they're engaged in their 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 purpose for being um, touching you your life or in your life is they're really there to help and really there to be a part of it rather than just being maybe from the sidelines right right I guess the actions speak louder than words doing is important yeah yeah funny enough I had a well I do still have a YouTube channel but during my relapse I kind of that's how I kind of fell back into social media more was I just went on there and turned on the camera and started talking because <laughs> I felt just kind of alone and so I remember making a video about like the worst thing you can say to a cancer patient and it was let me know if you need anything and so that it was kind of controversial because people didn't understand what I was saying but it's exactly that I appreciate those people who are saying something. I'm never going to fault them. Thank you for not just ghosting us. But I want you to say, hey, Chelsea, do you want me to bring you pizza tonight or Chinese? And drop it off and leave. <laughs> you know, like, don't, don't insert yourself. Don't give me the responsibility to figure out what I need. And because I already feel like a burden. I'm not going to ask you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and maybe let's talk about it from as you just started there down this path of 
for those who are in the middle of treatment, going through treatment, newly diagnosed, um, in one of your, your blogs you wrote and you just, you just kind of touched on it. Um, let's give them some tips and some things like some relief, maybe like you don't have to do these things. Um, one of the things you said was, um, I did my best to respond to each and every person who wrote me because I did not want anyone to feel like I was not grateful for their support. And I think I would probably be that way. You know, someone, I feel like, okay, so, so we're talking social media and somebody says, happy birthday when it's your birthday. And you kind of go, I feel obligated to go, thanks, you know, or whatever the case may be, because they took time to respond to me or wish me this. But in the case, and I know that's a, a silly uh, correlation, but in the case of someone hitting you up or responding or texting you, um, you don't really have to respond to everything. Correct. And I fell into that because there was people, especially at my job, that they meant well, they really did, but they would check in with me and ask questions that really I wouldn't recommend asking like, hey, what's your prognosis? Or you know, what side effects are you having? Or did all your hair fall out yet? And, you know, I understood that they were coming from a good place, I hope, you know, to check in with me. But I really don't want to talk about that. You know, I will talk about it in my own time. And I think it's good to let people share or don't share what, you know, what they want to. I just want you to go, hey, girl, like, have you seen the latest blah, blah, blah movie? Have you, like, stuff that we would normally talk about. You don't have to be so like with kid gloves to talk to every person with cancer. I think that's what people get afraid of. Like they don't want to tell me about their problems because their problems aren't as bad as my problems. Well, guess what? I want to hear about your, you know, that the guy cut you off and you went to Starbucks and they got your drink wrong. I, I want to hear about that because that's what we would have talked about. I yeah. don't want to sit here and talk about how bad chemo is. Like maybe sometimes I'll share with, you know, reach out to you and go, Hey, can we, you know, can we talk or I'm having a bad day? But the reality is another thing is that when you share the bad with people, sometimes they get very uncomfortable and they're not willing to sit with you. And so then you end up feeling worse than before. As a survivor, do you feel almost like you have to stay positive because you don't want to burden them with maybe not the pretty side of cancer? I used to, yes. Um, they, My work had the best intentions. Like I said, they set up a Facebook page to try to update people where I could go on there and say, hey, this is kind of like, you know, people have Caring Bridge or Facebook group. And I remember once or twice I shared like a less than good update because there was a lot of challenges in my treatment. The thing is like when you share those, all you get back is like thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Oh, no, let me know if you need anything. And it's just not helpful. I don't know. I appreciate people are thinking of me, but I don't know. It's just, it's just not helpful. I guess the people who I really remember the most throughout my active treatment were the ones, the friends I had that texted me every so often, just said, hey, I'm thinking of you. Hey, how are you? Or, you know, hey, oh my God, I saw this thing that reminded me of you today. And it just made me know they weren't forgetting about me. And even people who just sent me like socks in the mail, I know there's controversy between coloring books and socks, but when somebody took the time to send me just even a card, that was the best thing ever. And I still remember that. Yeah. Pam, it's kind of interesting. Um, you, you talk about like, it's almost like, like, you get disconnected the moment you have cancer, you, you're, you're just like, not, not shunned, but you're separate. And mm -hmm. 
no one knows how to handle it. No one knows how to talk about it. No one knows how, you know, uh, the non-cancer folks. And then it's like, uh, I don't know what to say. So I'm not going to say anything. And then all of a sudden, I feel like I'm going to say something. And invariably it is like you just said, like the wrong thing to say. Um, it, and, and this is a great example you you gave in, in your blog too. And I, I'm going to read it word for word because I think it, it'll paint the picture for those who are going through treatment. If you were in the middle of an ocean, a grief tourist would ride by on a boat and snap a picture. A true friend would drag you out of the water and save you. And it says, I really wish I understood that my job was not to perform for grief tourists. It was to survive. And I think that's that's incredibly powerful um, to separate those maybe who are there for the wrong reason and really cling to those who are there for the right reason. Mm -hmm. And I think too, like, although that, <laughs> that line is very dramatic, but I, <laughs> I mean, it's just even just like the true friends are the ones that do stop by and hand you, like I had my neighbor as my friend and my coworker actually, ironically, she for Thanksgiving when I was in the middle of treatment set up for my family to get a Thanksgiving dinner delivered rather than me having to worry about cooking it or going anywhere. Cause I was, you know, ill from chemo. Like that action just is still talked about throughout my entire family about how sweet and I'm getting goosebumps now because I'm going to make me cry, but sweet and helpful and just so kind. And it's not like you got to go out and give people money or, you know, do all this stuff. Like literally just write a card. I'm telling you a card in the mail these days and the days of technology even if you're saying, let me know if you need anything in the dang card, I'd rather, it's just the fact that you got a stamp, you addressed it to me and you took your time to hand write me a letter. It shows me that you still care about me. Pam, I think it also kind of goes back to some of the, uh, uh, the chemo to kindness challenge that right. we talked about as well, right? You know, doing small acts of kindness, maybe they're, uh, the person knows or doesn't know um, in those types of instances, and doing those for, you know, your, your friend, your loved one, your coworker, which still blows my mind that your, your work started a Facebook group page for you. Yeah. looking back, it's kind of questionable, especially like what ended up happening with my work, which was really interesting later. We can get that in another podcast, but yeah, I agree with you. Cause like literally like the HR department was on it too. So looking back, even though like, I need to tell people like, don't put all your information out there like that because it can be used against you especially sure. when your work is involved. Do you think as cancer, a cancer survivor, do you feel like you're obligated to tell all the details? I did because that's kind of what I was talking about. Like I felt obligated to write them back and answer them because I was like, well, you know, kind of even from the grief tourist person, like they're not even sending me one word. At least this person is writing me a message. So I feel bad if I don't write back. Well, let me give you an example of another grief tourist that I encountered, which really, I was talking to this girl that worked with me back and forth, you know, answering these questions that were painful for me to answer, but I still was like, okay, well, she's interested in my life. So, okay. I, she begged me, begged me to go to lunch with her. I ended up driving over an hour on one of my better days after chemo to go meet her for lunch. I pulled into the parking lot, parked, sent a quick text that I was there. She texts back. I'm too busy. I'm not going to make it. <gasps> so I, that was like the epitome of somebody who acted so there for me, so interested, so invested to just stand me up after I drove over an hour 
not feeling the greatest after you begged me to yeah. have lunch with you. And, you know, I think Pam and, and, and Chelsea, I think one of the things that, that really struck me just a second ago is in, in, in processing all of this, of course, as a non-cancer survivor um, in processing all of this is, you know, and, and this is going to sound like duh to everyone who is a cancer survivor listening is, you know, you have those waves, right? Where you have good days and bad days and good days and, you know, from your chemo and your treatment and, and everything else, just the, the, the stress of everything else. And to have a good day, you know, those are the times you take advantage of and do the things with your family and with your, your friends and with those things. And as you just said about basically you wasted your time on a good day to go do something with someone who did not even follow through with that. Yeah. And I'll rem I always remember, cause I want to show the good side too. There's good people. Of course. I had a friend who was actually, he was a coworker too, but he was on vacation and I ended up texting him about it. I was like, wow, I'm over here. And he's like, I'm coming now. And he came right over and had lunch with me when he was on his vacation. So, you know, for every bad grief tourist, there's going to be those people that are there for you. So I don't want people, to, you know, sure. patients listening. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. You know, but I want you to know there are people who will be there for you, which is amazing. It's, it's like we've said, Pam, finding your tribe, right? Finding your, mm -hmm. your crew, finding, you know, whatever it is, whatever that, that, that description is of your people and, and your circle. And that's who it is. That's right. So you mentioned sending maybe a card and then you kind of jokingly said maybe a coloring book. Yeah. So cancer, I, okay. I'm going to say this as somebody who's created a cancering, a cancering book for color, a coloring book for cancer patients. That's non-traditional, but um, my community begged me to make one. So I did, but cancer patients get so many coloring books. Like I don't know who or what gift guide somewhere said it was the thing to get, but I probably received no joke with you guys about 20 coloring books. So not that I don't appreciate them, but if y'all can think of maybe something else, like <laughs> even if it's socks, blankets, or pajamas or a squish mallow, you know, those awesome little <laughs> uh -huh. squishy things and give it a hug that or a gift card i will tell you i did a poll once about like the most things that people need help with and food was like the top one like doordash gift cards or things like that or meal trains um money <laughs> save that ten dollars for the coloring book and send them the ten dollars that'll go a long way yeah yeah there's one more quote before you mentioned you mentioned right there you said your community and i want to get into your community here in a second um, but there's one more thing that I think is really, really powerful uh, that you wrote in your blog about what you tell newly diagnosed patients when you talk to them. Let's talk about that. I'm pretty sure I said be selfish. Yes. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, yes. I feel like people, so when you get to be a cancer patient, there's a poem I wrote once that was like, as soon as you get diagnosed, the crown is set upon your head. And that's how it feels. You feel like you're automatically uh, supposed to be an inspiration or supposed to be brave or strong or a warrior or any of those other terms. Now, I always tell people I don't fault anyone who finds comfort in those terms because that's fine, but it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> it's a really a lot of pressure to live up to. And so, 
you know, if you're not feeling well, don't write back. Like the person will understand, you know, if you don't feel like you can work during treatment and you have the ability not to, don't work. Your job will figure it out. You know, you don't owe anyone anything. You need to focus on you and surviving. You know, yeah, you oftentimes can. whenever I meet with uh, survivors, whenever I'm going over the treatment summary and care plan, they're like, I would really like to do this, but I just don't have the time. And I'm like, this is a time to take care of you. You can be selfish. If you can't take care of you, then you can't take care of the ones that you love. So take mm -hmm. the time to do the things that are important for you. Yeah. And I think that, you know, prior to me having cancer, my whole career was not anything like it is now. It was an insurance adjuster, if you can imagine that. So like after I had cancer the second time, I told my husband, I was just like, you know, I'm not going back to something that doesn't make me happy. Like, thankfully, I, you know, my husband had a job that I was able to do that. I know this is not for everybody can't do this, but I just gave it up and I went towards what made me happy even if it didn't make me any money, I was going to go and do something for me for once. Yeah. Your perspective changed. Totally. Like my whole, you know, I kind of want to tell people, you know, your job is a big part of you, but your job doesn't define you and it shouldn't define you. So I need you to put that aside when you get off work and find who you are and what makes you happy outside of work, because that's what's going to be there with you when you're old and gray. It's not going to be your job. Nobody's going to ask you really about your job and ask you about, you know, what travels have you had? What are your pets' names? What are your hobbies? And I think a lot of young people, their hobbies or their life is their job. And I know it, it was like that for me. And I feel sad for who I was before cancer because I wasted a lot of time thinking that was what was important. But isn't that the same for cancer? That's not who defines you either. Yeah, I don't think cancer defines me, but I know that it's a big part of me that will forever be. So I kind of tell people the way that I look at my life is the before cancer and the after cancer. And I like to say that that person who I was before died because it's true. I don't, I can't be a mother again. I can't work in the same capacity. My brain has different when I had chemo brain, my dreams, my hopes, my aspirations are all different. And for a long time, I struggled with understanding that I was actually grieving the death of the person I was. And it's weird because you're like, I'm alive. I'm okay. But at the same time, it is true. You have to figure out a new way forward and a new person. And I, I would bet some of that is your community. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, I, it was weird. Cause I'm not, it's funny. It's just so funny hearing you like, like I follow you. And it's so interesting because my Instagram was never what it is now. And it never set out to be that it just naturally happened. And so every day I, I end up quite shocked when, you know, people be like, Hey, you helped me so much. I'm like, I did. <laughs> well, and, and that right there, right, Pam, we talk about this often is sharing your story, sharing your, uh, your experience, sharing the things you've done and those things and telling openly and just like that, helping one person. And, and of course, in this case, you, you found out, you know, someone said, Oh, you helped me so much. Sometimes many folks, you know, you may tell your story and you may think, uh, oh, it's not that important. It's not that exciting. It's not that whatever. Um, and it makes a difference in one person's life. How many times do we hear that? Well, I just, it's really no big deal. My story doesn't make a big difference. Yeah. 
but it's maybe possible. not to you, but maybe to somebody else, it could possibly make a difference. That's right. Yeah, I think sometimes um, certain organizations that are larger do tend to focus on the same people over and over again, maybe if they have a lot of followers or whatever, which I will, sometimes I'll be asked to like write a blog or something and I'll be, I'll say honestly, like, hey, y'all know my story. If you're on this page, you pretty much know my story, like in that aspect can y'all go for someone who maybe has 10 followers, 20 followers? Because everybody's story is important, irregardless of what follower account, even if you have a page, it doesn't matter. Right. Like you said, there's something in everybody's story that is important. So speaking of your Instagram account, what um, kind of stuff do you post on Instagram? I post all sorts, <laughs> all sorts of things. I would say it's a very... It's a supportive place, but it's a real place. So I don't sugarcoat how it feels to have cancer as a young person, because I think that's a lot of what was out there when I was in the middle of treatment was just unicorns, rainbow, sunshine. And I, if I felt like I was a rainy day in the middle of this, I felt bad and I felt like there was something wrong with me. And so I have always coped through humor. That's just who I am. So I ended up um, when I was in the middle of recovering from my transplant, I ended up buying an Apple pencil and started drawing stuff on my iPad because my daughter was home with me full time. And I was like, I need something to kind of have for myself. And so I ended up starting to draw like awareness graphics, funny comics and thinking really nobody would see them. Um, but so far, people have seen them somehow, which is awesome. But yeah, it's a lot of sarcasm, but support, I would say. Do you feel like that's part of your therapy? Yes. So I don't know um, how familiar you guys are, but you probably are because you follow me. But there's something called Salty Sunday and WTF Wednesday that I do, which is an ongoing art project, which basically is when cancer patients or family members of them send me in anonymous submissions of things that have happened to them. Usually things that if, if you read them as an average person, you'd be like, really? Somebody really said that to them? But it's true. Yes, they do. And so, you know, I often have people in my community that reach out to me like, hey, I hope you're taking time for yourself because you hear so many of these stories are bad and da da da. But for me, once I get them out of my head onto the paper and draw them and get them out in the universe, I let them go. And that's what I hope for that person who sees that. They see that secret. It's anonymous. They see it. People comment on it. And it could just be something that's out in the universe now and not in their head. Pam, I've, I've not been uh, not paying attention. Um, I'm actually scrolling through your page. And yeah, some of these, I, I, I comes back. I've seen some of, some of these, you know, previously and reminding. What I would say is it's real. And it's mm -hmm. real for cancer survivors. Um, so many times there's there's several other pages, you know, that, 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 that Pam, I know you and I both follow. And we get it because we hear it or see it from our survivors that we work with. But to a non-survivor, um, they're, they're going to be like, I can't believe she posted this. I can't, <laughs> right? I can't believe that is like, she drew that? What is this? But it's real for survivors, especially young adults, which is, as you are a young adult. And so I, I would, let's give out your Instagram real quick. Let's do that real right now. Sure. So it's, oh, you're so tough, which is all one word, but it's O-H-Y-O-U-R-E-S-O-T-O-U-G-H. So, oh, you're so tough. Um, 
that's the same as all my stuff like Etsy and all that stuff um but what I'll say too is like funny like you saying that like oh I can't believe she posted that but I will tell you I've had so many family members of cancer patients reach out to me for advice on how to approach them, which is amazing. Or like, hey, it's their cancer anniversary. What should I do? I'm like, get a cake. Like, you need a cake yes. because that's the standard. Yeah. And then also providers. Like, I have providers that are oncologists or oncology nurses that reach out to me like, hey, how would you approach this better? Or, hey, thank you for this post because I've changed my approach. And it's amazing. I've been in like like a New York university was like a research study about how to hand, like do AYA patients. And I'm like, uh, what, why are you want to interview me? And they're like, because you're going to tell us like the true way that people need to hear it. And I always like one thing about my page is I always try to write back to who anybody who messages me because I remember being that person on the other side. So I don't just like take in these stories and never interact. Like I always, if I can, write back and say something meaningful meaningful back or like oh what he said that are you kidding me you know just something to say like hey i see you and that's a good point right there hey i see you you know you're not the silent sufferer you know as, as sometimes mm -hmm. that 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 term gets thrown around but i think what it is too pam is is it is, um, you know, we, we talk often about many vacations and, and taking moment, you know, one of our podcasts, and it, it escapes me on who, who had mentioned that, but these mini escapes, whether it is, you know, turning the lights off in your office or in your room and meditating for a little bit, deep breathing, kind of recentering, refocusing, or even if it's like what we do, some of our mini vacations of fly fishing or painting or whatever the case may be, um, the a mini vacation may be going through some of these memes and just laughing hysterically and no one else understands why you're laughing, but as a survivor, you get it. And, you know, so, so in addition to some of the, the comical parts, there is some, some self, you know, Oh yes, I've been there. I've seen that. I've done it. I've been there. Um, so it could be a little bit of humor, mini escape as well. I think it's great because it also, for those that are scared on how to approach cancer survivors, it gives you a safe space that's real um, and maybe you can learn from it. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Let's talk about your Etsy shop. Let's, let's, let's go down the Etsy rabbit hole here. Talk to us about your Etsy shop. So kind of in the line of the way I said, like, I never felt brave. I never felt like a warrior. I just kind of felt like a couch potato. Um, half the time. <laughs> that's a majority of the shirts that are out there are like you know a unicorn dabbing with like warrior over it and I got sent a lot of those shirts and thank you for the packages if you're listening and you sent me one of those I appreciate you but I was like I can do better I was like you know cancer sucks but the products don't have to suck so I started thinking like hey how do I feel and I was sitting there you know, drawing one day with my daughter was outside and I, you know, my lymph nodes were where my cancer was. So I ended up drawing a little design of a lymph node that was really angry with these eyebrows like jutting down. And I wrote, you know what, how do I feel about this guy? I said, my lymph nodes are a-holes. And I was like, and that's how I feel. And I put it out there in the universe. Like on, I made call my husband, I'm gonna make an Etsy. And he's like, all right, well, everyone has an Etsy. I'm like, well, I'm gonna make one. So I made one and I didn't have a sale for like three days. And I was like, oh, I'm one of those people. I'm like, I suck if it doesn't like work out within the first five seconds. Well, I woke up the next day, somebody in Australia paid $20 to have this bag with that phrase shipped to them. And I was like, if somebody in Australia 
will pay $20 for this. I'm on to something. Like it was never about the money. It was just about the message. And so I started, you know, creating these products and there really wasn't a lot out there like this. And I didn't know that, you know, I'm not, I have a business degree, but I don't <laughs> utilize it very much, but yeah. So it has been, it's awesome. I'm over, I have over like 9,000 sales and I've shipped to like, I think every state in the U S and many countries, which is awesome. What kind of products do you have? I mean, graphics. Yeah, so I have stickers is the first thing that is like the main part of my shop, but I have expanded to greeting cards because I knew there was a lot of messages that needed to be sent to cancer patients, but people don't know how to say them. So I was like, let me make it easy for you. Let me get you a card. So greeting cards, um, shirts. I have shirts on there, like actual funny, like I have one that's like Mean Girls inspired. It says, get in, loser, we're going to chemo. Because, you know, it's just like in <laughs> Mean Girls, it says, get in, loser, we're going shopping. Yes. So just stuff that's funny. And it it's so amazing. Like when I see people send me pictures, like, hey, I wore this. It's my oncology appointment. Everyone loved it. And I'm like, yes, especially when they tell me the nurses loved it. Like I love when the oncology nurses love it. I'm like, yay. Yeah. Maybe we should start with homework right here, Ron. I think we should, Pam. Maybe if you know someone going through treatment and Chelsea did say it's a good thing to send a card. So how about you go find a funny card to send her off of her Etsy shop? Yeah, I would imagine that um, these are not your typical Hallmark cards. No, but, they're not. Uh, I'm just going to show y'all one while on the, okay. you guys can't see this, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. I'm going to just, I'm just going to take a stab at this and I, and I feel like I'm going to get it right. There's a, probably cards on there that the person you're needing to send this to is going to get. They're going to get it. And it's going to yeah. be meaningful to them. And it's not going to be the, oh, the Hallmark gushy, who in the world wrote this? It's going to be one of those ones that, as you said a minute ago, Chelsea, it's memorable. Like that Thanksgiving mm -hmm. dinner, it's memorable. Um, yeah. Pam, I think I'm going to go on there after we're done visiting and I'm going to purchase some cards because here's the thing. I tell people this all the time when it comes to fundraising, right? So we do a lot of fundraising. Uh, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to go, Chelsea, would you give me $50 to do X, Y, and Z for my fundraiser? But it's so much easier to shoot them an email, shoot them a text, write them a letter, to do that because I'm not having to have that face-to-face -face conversation. This might be the same out as what I'm saying with this, rather yeah. than, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. Chelsea's done the work for you um, and it's on the shop and you can buy the card and maybe all you have to do is sign it. And it, the, the wordings and the, and the sayings and the, and the depictions are going to be enough. So yes, homework, go to Etsy, write Etsy.com and go to oh you're so tough right yes correct and uh pick you up a few cards i'm going to so you can be assured you're going to see an order from amarello <laughs> and there's not like um there's some on there that aren't you know as like snarky there's normal you know just but there's some that say like hey you don't have to be strong you don't have to be brave you don't have to be inspirational just know i love you like that's one of the ones i have there you go simple now, you also have um, some books on Amazon, correct? Yes. So I have the coloring book, which I it's called If You Give a Cancer Patient a Coloring Book, because, you know, it's like if you give a mouse a cookie because we get so many of them. Yeah. <laughs> so 
I have that. I have a lot of children's books. I was inspired to write my first ever children's book because um, it was actually my real life scenario where when I lost my hair, I kind of prepared my daughter because she was so small at the time. I said, hey, you know, I'm going to lose my hair. I just want to let you know. But hey, you know, it's super cool. You can put stickers on my head when I have a bald head. Wouldn't that be cool? And so she would she would ask me, like, is your hair going to fall out yet? I want to put stickers on, my, <laughs> on it. You know, instead of being scared that I, my hair was going to fall out, she was excited because <laughs> she could put stickers on it. And so that was my first ever book called Stickers on Her Bald Head. And oh. I, you know, just thought it was so something that was needed because every cancer, there's some good cancer books out there for kids, but some of them are so like chemotherapy and da da da. And I don't, I didn't necessarily want her to be telling me all about chemotherapy. I just kind of wanted her to, you know, kind of know what was going on in a way that like a four or five year old could understand it. Right. Very age appropriate. Yeah, exactly. Because a few of them I got, like I said, I'll be like, you know, the chemotherapy goes through the needle. And then I was like, mm, uh, nah. How old, how old was your daughter when you were diagnosed? So she would have been turning three um, right before I got diagnosed the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely stickers. That's going to be the, the key, right? Yeah. And, you know, I cried not too long ago because I, I sometimes, I don't really look at the reviews on Amazon because you know, Amazon is. And so I finally looked at it one day on that book and there's a picture on there of a lady getting stickers put on her bald head. And I was like, Oh, like I just, I cried because I was like, that is a full circle moment for me to see somebody else yeah. use this book. And how powerful is it Chelsea for you to be able to use yet another story and touch someone else and providing that resource for them um, just out of a, out of a, a moment where you were like, this is how we're going to deal with telling your daughter about your cancer. But yet you, again, full circle, right? You wrote a book mm -hmm. and it's available and it's changing lives. It's really amazing, especially because, okay, when you think about writing a book, you think, how are you supposed to write a book? You know, it's kind of hard. So, and I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I'm just winging it. So I remember thinking, let me go the traditional route and like send this in to people who might publish it. I don't know what I was doing. So many of them just didn't give me the time of day or they didn't do anything. They're just, and eh, we're not interested. So I figured out how to self-publish something. And so I ended up doing that. And, you know, now it's bought a lot and it's gone, it's gone to, there's an organization called Bright Spot Network they actually give out two of my books for free and they give out books to children who are children of cancer patients. And just to know like that, that's there for free for people who need it. It means the world to me. Oh, that's wow. so awesome. Chelsea, thank you so much for sharing your story. What, um, you know, what we can look forward to and seeing your little graphics. I think it's a lot of humor, but um, you, you're doing great things. You are. Thank you. Yeah, I hope if anybody ever listens to this, I hope that my just my dreams, I'm going to manifest out the universal <laughs> talking to y'all is I wish that we could kind of change the materials that are given out to patients and make them a little bit more uh, approachable as far as being cute or fun or more interesting, because I think some of those stuff we're given is a little bit scary and it's just black and white and it's, you know, just like, here you go. And you don't, you, it's a binder that's this thick and you just put it in your closet because you can't deal with it. So I hope to make information more accessible and, you know, digestible for the average patient. Yeah. That's great. That's great.
So we are to our last um, part of the podcast. It's Pete's Powerful Moment. We are sponsored by Pete's CarSmart Kia. Do you have a powerful moment that you could share with us? I think one of the moments that really hit me the most is when a friend and a fiance of somebody who followed me that I never, I never spoke to this person, but they passed away and the fiance and the friend each separately wrote me a message telling me how I had made an impact on this person's life. And I didn't even know it. I never spoke to them. I never did it. You know, it's just my Instagram and what I posted. And they just like, Hey, I just wanted you to know like that you were a huge impact in her life. And I've gone on to kind of keep in touch with the fiance and he updates me. I think it's been about a year since she passed. And he, you know, he had wrote me the other day, like, Hey, I just want to let you know that um, I'm not, hundred percent, but I'm okay. And I, you're a big part of that. (laughs) And I was just, it just, I just felt so much like I wish I knew her and, and I getting to talk to him and the friend made me know more about her, which is great. But I just, I have really bad imposter syndrome. (laughs) I think some of us do, you know, and I was like, how, how did I do this? But just to know that I could be there for somebody in some small way was amazing to me. So all those little acts that um, people can do, um, you can make a difference. Yeah. Yes, you really can. It it truly does mean you never know. You never know. You never know who you're going to touch. You never know who's going to grab onto that or who is going to be impacted from it. So um, thank you for doing what you're doing. And I couldn't agree more. I know that many of our survivors were probably shaking their heads saying, oh, yes, about the binder and about the information and about the stuff that's so, as I said, hallmarkish and and things like that. So um, keep up the great work. Keep up the great work. Thank you. I appreciate. It. And I'll you know just say to anybody listening, even if you don't have somebody in your life that's cancer, I don't know how you listen if you don't somebody has cancer, but you know just those little moments in life when you see somebody like you like their shirt or you like their hair or anything, just say that to them because that could truly change somebody's whole day to hear one nice word from somebody. That's right. That's right. You know, Ron, all these, what she's talked about in the, this episode and um, reminds me of a lot of the episodes we've covered. Chemo yeah. to kindness, Hallie's foundation. Yes. If you can't afford a pair of socks and want to send a pair of socks. There's a great foundation that sends cancer survivors a pair of socks. Yeah. Um, awesome. There's also chemo angels. Have you guys heard of them? No, Uh -uh. you can actually sign up to be an angel to somebody throughout their chemo. And so you send them little gifts like every week to kind of just cheer them up. And I did one, they, they do a really good, good job matching you. So based on your age or your cancer type. So I ended up sponsoring a girl who had Hodgkin's lymphoma, who was like about 17. You don't have to write back to the person. So if you're listening and you want to sign up, if you have cancer, you don't have to write back to them. They just send you little surprises every week. It's super nice. And it's fun to do. That's so cool. It's all these little... Yeah, we'll have to check it out. It's all these random acts of kindness and the unique ways and and uh, not about being so traditional. I think that's mm-hmm. that's kind of my big takeaway from today's episode. Um, Chelsea, thank you so much. Again, you know, I know I said it earlier. Thank you for what you're doing. You really are um, changing the course. And I know it may feel like it sometimes uh, like the Titanic turning very so slowly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it goes from good to bad some days, but that's okay, you know, but that's okay. Cause I feel like when you make true change, there's going to be people that are resistant to it. And so, 
you know, I'm not giving up. I'm, you know, I got nothing else to do. I'll be posting stuff, you know, but <laughs> truly though, you know, the fact that I could even help one person, it means the world to me truly. Yeah. Well, thank you again. And thank you guys for listening. Remember your homework, Pam, let's help tell them again. They need to go follow. Uh, oh, you're so tough on Instagram, but more importantly, go check out the Etsy site and uh, let's all be a part of this change movement, right? Let's all be a part of this uh, adjustment. I can't think of a better thing to do, right, Pam? I can't either. You know, make a small change today, small change today and uh, not be so traditional. And then join us next week for another great episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Make sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media for news and updates. If you'd like more information about the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website, 24survivorship.org. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week.